When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 278 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing the concept of divesting. Where do you keep your money? Anytime you leave your hard-earned money sitting in a bank account, it doesn't just sit there. The bank that's holding it for you takes it and reinvests it. It puts your money to work. The bank lends your money to a variety of businesses and projects with the goal of making money on interest. Many banks, especially the big banks, I'm talking J.P. Morgan Chase, I'm talking Citi, I'm talking Bank of America, our banks, the big banks especially, reinvest our money into the fossil fuels industry. That means that our money is funding the continued mining and burning of oil, coal, and gas. Olivia from Alabama wrote to me, and that's because she's been thinking a lot about how to more consciously invest her money. Olivia also had questions about aspiration, which is the self-proclaimed green banking alternative. So we're going to get into all of Olivia's questions today. And to help me do just that is Gary Graywall. He is a blogger and he is the author of Financial Fives, the top 325 ways to save, earn, and thrive to retire before 65. If Gary's name rings a bell, that's because he was also a previous podcast guest. He was on episode 258, all about conscious spending. Gary, I am so thrilled to talk to you a second time. And before we get started, I should just say that I don't allow many guests on a second or a third time. So I hope you are super flattered. How are you doing? I am super flattered, Stephanie. Absolutely. I'm doing excellent. It's a uh, summertime out in California. So getting our sunshine in and trying to stay away from sweating ourselves to death. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No sweating ourselves to death. Today, you are here to help me answer a listener question all about divesting. Banks don't just keep our money our checking accounts, our 401ks, our savings in a padlocked vault. The banks actually do something with our money. What on earth do banks do with our money? A lot of banks, the big names like Chase, Wells Fargo, they make their money primarily from lending. So if you have your money today at the bank and you're getting 0.02% in your checking account, your savings account, they're turning on and lending it out for mortgages and business loans and things like that at much higher interest rates. So that spread is their profit. And on top of that, they might have very large scale business loans. They might finance things like hotels and shopping centers and things like that. So they definitely are able to use all the money, all the deposits to lend that money, your money and my money, basically, 
out to these operations to then generate a profit. So why then are the banks, and we'll talk about which banks in a minute, but why are banks in the business of investing in or lending money to the fossil fuels industry? How does that help the bank? Remember, because they're getting interest payments, right? So if they're going to fund like a new oil well, for example, or an offshore drilling operation, they're lending money to this operation and they're getting interest payments back from that operation, right? So we all drive, well, most people drive cars. And so we all need gas and gas is a hot topic these days. And so the banks know that gas isn't going anywhere, at least anytime soon. It's a low risk operation for them, for the banks to basically lend to these companies that are going to be around even in a recession and then get interest off of their operations. Now, we know what it means to invest. I think most of us listening know what investing means. But what on earth is divesting? So divesting is the opposite, right? It's like you look at an investment specifically for the intention of not investing in something. So if you're looking at when they have a fossil fuel free ETF, so that's an attempt to divest from fossil fuels because that fund is specifically excluding any company that's related to the fossil fuel industry. And it's not just oil companies. They might also be excluding mineral companies, anything related to the oil industry in an effort to not support those business operations with their own money. And just to make this a more comprehensive discussion, I should say the fossil fuels industry is just one industry in which banks may be investing in that we may not, as people who put our money in these banks, that we may not be so thrilled about. The manufacturing of guns We're talking a lot about guns in America every single day. Perhaps you don't want your bank to be funding the creation of new guns. There are a lot of industries that our banks may be putting their our money into without our knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Most people don't put any thought into it, right? They say, oh, it's Bank of America or whatever it is, any bank. And they say, I'm putting my money there. But It's not like the banks are advertising or megaphoning, hey, here's where we're putting your money. It's very hard sometimes to find out where actually your money is going. So typically, if you go to like shareholder meetings or have the time to dig through shareholder materials, they will break down the operations. Where is the money going? What kind of businesses are these banks involved in? Is it guns? Is it fossil fuels? Is it companies that have a a history with not treating their workers fairly or paying fair wages? You really have to work hard, and a lot of people just don't have the time to determine where their money is going in the banks or care. But for those who do, fortunately, there are some resources they can do, easily research online to determine, oh, okay, I don't want this bank anymore because they're helping support deforestation. Well, let's talk about that information and let's talk about which banks. I did some digging online. I believe you have as well. One big important piece of information I learned is that the big banks, (laughs) if you are in a big bank, if your money is in a big bank, they're probably funding the fossil fuels industry. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's been my experience too. Because you have to remember, these banks are publicly owned. They have to respond to their shareholders and do what's in the interest of their shareholders. And a lot of it has to do with the basically the way the bureaucracy is set up, right? So they have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's in the best interest of their shareholders. So whatever operations generate the most profit or the most spread and margin, they're going to do that, whether that means lending to companies that are in these somewhat questionable operations. 
we're definitely going to talk about better alternatives, credit unions, banks who are not in the fossil fuels business. But before we get there, let's talk about the big name banks. I have my money. All of our money is in Bank of America currently. However, I need to change that. I'll just say that right off the bat. But J.P. Morgan Chase, the worst offender in 2021, 269 billion U.S. dollars went to fossil fuels funding Fracking also. Wells Fargo, second worst offender, 198 billion. Citibank, Bank of America. Bank of America, my bank comes in at number four of the worst offenders. And the fifth worst offender is RBC, which is a, I believe, a big bank in Canada. And so it just makes me think about how, you know, I can make so many choices in my own home and I can continuously work to be better in my own home with regard to living my environmentally friendly values. But But if I'm not thinking about where I'm putting my money, then I'm missing a big piece of the puzzle. Yeah, exactly. Because if you think about it, we when we vote with our dollars too, every time you go to the store and you purchase a product, you are basically validating the existence of that product. You're saying like in the free market world, yes, this is something that I want to buy. But if it's something that was pretty clear that is adding to our plastic pollution, or adding to unfair labor practices and things like that, you probably are going to look for alternatives. So the same thing goes for banks. Banks are where people have their money, right? So it's not like it's just a $10 bottle of shampoo. It's typically thousands of dollars. And if you think about it, for those of us who have mortgages, you are basically paying interest of your hard-earned money to these banks. So you probably want a bank that, obviously, yes, there's a convenience factor. Some of these national banks that are publicly traded have branches everywhere and ATMs everywhere. So it's super convenient. However, today, it's a lot easier to find a bank or a credit union that you can go to anywhere. They have shared networks. And on top of that, honestly, like who goes to an ATM anymore? (laughs) That's a really good point. Who does go to an ATM anymore? But your answer really makes me think about how our economy, our Western way of living is fueled by our money, our capital, right? And so jobs are created, roads are paved because of the lending system that's currently in place. However, that means that although I perhaps want roads to be paved and infrastructure to be improved with my money, I don't necessarily want my hard-earned money to fund all types of projects. And so therein comes the how. I mentioned earlier, we have everything with Bank of America, our checking, our savings, our retirement, everything is through Bank of America. And primarily, the number one reason for having everything there is because it's so convenient. It is on every street corner. It's better and easier for us to have everything in one place instead of getting lots of statements from lots of places. Talk to me, but really talk to my listeners about that. The thought of changing banks sends my anxiety into overdrive. So help me out. Right. Totally. It does. Because if you think about it, we've worked so hard to get all of our stuff in one place. We have one bank where we have all these accounts and we log in. It's got this pretty breakdown and dashboard of all our different accounts and our mortgage and our debts and things like that. But you just have to ask yourself in terms of, long term, what do you need your bank for? You can also find banks that are really easy to use their online tools. So you don't really need to worry about if they have a branch. Sometimes we feel like we need to go to a branch because we get checks and things like that. But now more than ever, you have mobile deposit. 
and you have all these online tools and bill pay. Another perk of an online bank is that you typically can transfer between accounts very easily. It's a lot faster and you get higher interest rates. So just by doing your research on kind of what you need out of a bank, what are you going to the bank for, can help you find the kind of bank that you want to switch to. You're doing a great job getting us into the how to, like how in 2022 an online bank may likely be the right choice, how we perhaps don't need the big name on the Ever Street corner. And we're going to get there. But I also want to touch on something else you mentioned, which is that, yes, it is really hard, stressful, time-consuming, inconvenient, that's the key word I would say, inconvenient on the front end to switch banks. But there's something to be said for making a change and then never thinking about it again. I think about a lot of times in sustainability conversations, we're making a change, but that change needs to be maintained every single day. Little things like composting, you have to keep composting every day. But Changing your bank is a different type of change. It's like on your next car purchase, buying an electric car. It might be difficult in the moment on the front end, but once the change is made, you never have to think about it again. So we're going to talk about that and more specifically the how-to. So how do you change banks? What do you look for? What does Gary recommend? We're going to get into all of that after a quick word from our sponsor. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch they wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. 
And we are back with Gary Graywell. He is a blogger and the author of Financial Fives, the top 325 ways to save, earn, and thrive to retire. That's the key. Before 65. He also was a previous podcast guest. He was the beloved guest on episode number 258. The title of the episode was Conscious Spending. Gary, we are on to the second part of today's conversation, which is the how to do this. So we've gotten a what, and we've gotten all on the same page with the why. Now we need to discuss the how to. So we want to take our money and we want to put it in a place that's not funding and investing in the fossil fuels industry. What should we look for when finding that elusive bank or credit union? So there's a number of different things you can look for. Right? And again, it, it's not easy, but there's fortunately a lot of really hardworking nonprofits and institutions that make this job easy for us. So you you have things like MightyDeposits.com, where you can see, oh, this is my bank. This is where they're having their money. This is where the assets are spread across. What kind of impact are they having? You know, Is there a better comparable bank that's similar services that's not putting this money in fossil fuels? As You Sow is also a great a nonprofit where they do a lot of hard work and shareholder advocacy to get the banks to change. So it's not exactly divesting. They are trying to actually work with these banks and institutions to say, hey, this is an issue. It's going to cost you customers. We'd like to see you do this. So change from the inside. The other thing is a lot of certifications that we've seen for other things also apply to banks. So is this bank a certified B corporation? Do they have a 1% for the planet? Is it Green America certified? Some banks are going that direction. Is it a woman-owned bank or a minority deposit-owned bank? And then there's also things like the Global Alliance for Banking on Values, where you can go and just see, oh, are there banks that align with me, that are close to me, and I can use this bank for my needs? So just by going to some of these online resources, even NerdWallet has some information on this, but you can see which banks are close to you or where they're based, if even if it's a credit union and what kind of certifications they have. And that's where you really see that they're not greenwashing you, right? Because if they're a member of this organization, they have to go through certain protocols. Kind of like when you go to the store and you look for organic, right? Someone can't just slap a sticker of organic. I guess they could, but they'd get in a lot of trouble. But they have to go through very strict processes to be certified organic. And it's similar to this. To be 1% for the planet, you actually have to be giving 1% of your revenue to the organization. So they have checks and balances to make sure that this bank is suitable for their mission. And that's how you can find the banks that align with their values. As a person who uses a bank, I feel a bit reluctant to transfer to a fully online bank or a small credit union where There's not a branch on every street corner where I don't have that lovely interface in which all my accounts are (laughs) lovingly laid out for me on my computer screen. So what's it like to bank with a bank that's not a big, gigantic household name? you got to remember, like when we talked earlier about think about what you use a bank for, a lot of people don't use their banks for all that stuff. Now, if you're, for example, like a general contractor or a plumber, and use different clients or customers every week, and they have all these different checks, it is going to be harder for you to get everything. It's nice to just walk into a branch, give your envelope of checks, chat with the bank agent, the banker there. You can do that, though, at your local credit union. So credit unions are member-owned, remember? So they're not owned by shareholders. They don't have to answer to shareholders. 
So they do a lot of good for their community. They keep the money within the community and not send it elsewhere. And they also do a lot of support for like local businesses and scholarships. So that's one option if you want to have something that's got physical banks. And the other aspect you want to think about is, can I do, can I do what I'm doing with another bank too that's closer? So a lot of these credit unions and banks have, if you use your debit card at one bank, uh, they'll accept it because they're in a network, like a partner network. So if you look at the back of your debit card, typically you'll see like the logos of different organizations that you can use this bank. So it's a lot easier when you find out, what do I need this bank for? Is it really just to sock away my savings account and I can do it online? And then you can find a bank that offers that to you, has a good user experience and works for your needs. In your professional opinion, Gary, is the future of banking online banking? I think so, because think about it. We do so much online now. We order our groceries online, our clothes online. We do so much online. People want less reason to go out and deal with traffic and parking than they have to. So if you think about it, back in the day, like people used to just go to the bank to open an IRA. You can do that online now. They used to go to the bank to get a loan. You can apply for one online now. And now with mobile deposit and mobile transfers and things like that, you can do so much online. I know people who have a lot more money than me, and they are strictly online. So they have businesses too, but they are able to do everything that they need online. Okay, so I must say that I am having minor heart palpitations thinking about moving all my stuff over. How big of a process is it to move it all? I really don't think it's much of a process. It's like when you open, let's say, for example, you leave a job and you've got a 401k and you're rolling it over into your IRA. It's similar. When you open an account, you can do it typically online, like I said. So once it's open, you can do an online transfer to move your account where it is to your new account. So I do empathize with people that have multiple accounts and have to do all of that again. And like I said, you can go to a credit union and you can do all of these things at at your local credit union. So that way you're not having money at a bank that you don't know where it's going. The credit unions are member owned again. So they typically offer you better rates. They typically have lower rates for loans and they just do a lot of good for the community. Your answer there brings me back to what I said before the break, which is that this is an upfront inconvenience. Everything in 2022 is all about convenience, right? The big banks may be doing some shady things with our money, but they're convenient. And so we stay with them. And so moving to a new bank is going to be upfront inconvenient, like a lot of paperwork, a lot of hoops to jump through. I just am anticipating it. But once it's done, it's done. And that's the nice thing is like when once you go through all of it and it's finally it's over with. You can sit back and relax because think about it. Where else is your money sitting in your life other than a bank? You're not really socking it under your mattress or putting it in a safe. Hopefully you have it invested and you have it in the bank. These banks are really making a lot of money off of the money you put, the more money you have. They're going to say, yeah, we'll pay you 2.2% and we're going to go lend it out at 7%. So if someone is making, let's say you borrow money or a friend borrows money from you. And you don't really ask them where it's going. But then they tell you later, oh, yeah, I opened opened a smoke shop by a high school. That doesn't make you feel very good. And so it's like that. It's like it, it can make it a little bit difficult to tell that person no or tell this bank I'm moving. And it takes a little bit of effort. 
But now you know that you're banking where it aligns with your values. And on top of that, you're going to get all these other financial perks along with it. I talk a lot about conscious consumerism shopping or spending with your values up front. And so if we're buying a $40 t-shirt from a certified B Corps, that's great. That's $40. But we're talking today about the sum total of all the money that we have saved in banks. And so the impact then would be so much greater when we're talking about the sum total of all our wealth as opposed to the $40 t-shirt. I have to talk to you then about your best recommendations for where our money should go. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think it just, again, I would try to find a local credit union where you can understand where their financing goes. It's a lot easier to determine your local credit union or local bank on where this money is. Like I said, there's so many great tools online. The Rainforest Action Network, they've got a cool website called bankingonclimatechaos.org. And you can see kind of where all the banks stand and ranking in terms of their financing for questionable things like fossil fuels. You can look at a 1% for the planet or the Sustainable Alliance for Banking and these different online websites where you can look for their members. And if you find a bank that's on their member list, go ahead and look more and do some research. You know, you may not find something that's perfect. You may find a bank that has a little bit of questionable operations, but maybe it's convenient for you. So don't beat yourself up. The intention here is not to throw your life upside down. It's to maybe see if you can bank somewhere that you feel better about where that money is and just to make sure it aligns with your values. And we all can do our part to make sure that our money is where our mouth is. Um, so there are banks like, uh, I think one of the ones we had talked about before was like uh, Aspiration, right? There's um, a lot of different credit unions, the self-help credit union, like uh, there's a, the Virginia state, there's um, different states may have a member credit union. You have Mechanics Bank, you have Clearwater Credit Union, Climate One Bank. So there's so many banks that you can go to. And you might be concerned, oh, this bank hasn't really been around that long. I haven't really heard of it. If that bank or credit union is FDIC insured or NCUA for the credit union, you can rest easy knowing that they're a member of that. So if if they ever went under, you're insured, just like you would be at any other bank. That is such a helpful tip, Gary. And thank you. I know you mentioned Aspiration there. I go to their website. It sounds really good, but my spidey sense is up every time I see anything that <laughs> sounds too good to be true. Do you have any other thoughts to say on Aspiration? I know they are marketing hard, I would say, in this space. They are on many sustainability-related podcasts. They're on NPR. They're all over the place. Um, they're not on this podcast, but <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. You know, I when I first found out about them, I was like, wow, this bank is so cool. Like, they'll plant trees every time you use your debit card. I just, for fair disclosure, I do have an account with Aspiration. It's a small account, but I still have one. And the reason I opened it was because when I did research on their website, I found that they do a lot of things that are good. So Aspiration is a B Corp. They do partner with 1% for the planet and they're Green America certified. So they have good interest rates as well. So I thought, you know what? This seems like a really good way to support this institution or this startup and also get good returns. I think they're a great tool. Keep in mind, they do have this, it's called like pay as you earn or pay what you want or something like that. And it's basically like you choose the fee you want to pay the bank. 
So you can choose zero, I, that is an option, but it just allows you to say, okay, with the bank doing so much of this and it's a higher cost of operation because they're members of 1% for the planet, they're offering higher interest rates and doing all these great things, I'm going to pay two bucks a month, you know, in terms of making sure that this continues to happen. So they're a great bank. I've had great experience with them. They're, they are doing good things and they have a pretty good reviews online at NerdWallet and things like that. So it's just a matter of finding that bank that works well for you and has the features that you need. So before we wrap up, Gary, I have one question that I'm going to split into two questions. So it's really two questions at once. One is, how detailed is aspiration in telling you what they're doing with your money? And then the second part to that question is, would you recommend aspiration to listeners? Okay, so the first question, how do you know where aspiration is, where they have their money is through these, some of these tools online, and they will disclose some of it online on their website. But again, if you like to have that validation, you can go to As You Sow and Mighty Deposits and things like that, and it will show you what kind of operations Aspiration is funding. You can even, as simple as, you can email the institution and say, I'd like to understand what kind of businesses this company is involved with. And they should be able to send you a report. A lot of companies and banks now have a CSR or Corporate Social Responsibility Report where they're required to have all their disclosures in there on actually what are they doing. And those things are heavily filled with data. So you can see, okay, like they did this much per year. They're funding this. They're financing this. And it makes you feel a lot better. Now, would I recommend them or not? For my own experience, I would say I've had a good experience. I think that if you're looking for a bank that has some of those values, it's a great way to start. Could there be a better option for you? Sure. But if you're concerned about the whole thing about not a well-known bank, or where's my money really going? It's a good place to start. Or you can go to those websites I mentioned and find a different bank that maybe works better for you. What I hear you saying there, Gary, is that this is an upfront inconvenience. And so you don't want to do this twice. You don't want to go through this inconvenience twice. You want to find the right bank for you the first time around it might be aspiration. It might be your credit union in your town. It might be something different, but put the effort and work in on the front to find the place that's right for your money. And I have one more thing to say, one more piece of advice, that, which is for any listener who is rip-roaring, ready to close their accounts at the big name banks, which by the way, thank you, Gary, I learned today that if you have your money in a big name bank, they are likely <laughs> funding the fossil fuels industry with every cent you've put in. So if you're going to close your previous bank, I suggest you take a couple minutes and you let them know why you're closing why you're no longer banking with them. I think it is important. Maybe some low-level employee is going to get your <laughs> email message, but I do think it's important to voice the fact that you care about where your money is going and that sustainable banking is a priority for you. So I think that's an important step. It's not just close and leave, it's close, say why you're leaving, outline your values, and then say peace out. So Yeah, exactly. Right. You want to, because if, if a lot of companies, they will say, they'll ask you, they'll be proactive. Why are you leaving? Why are you doing, they'll try to keep you right. Because these banks know just like other companies, it costs a lot more to get a new customer than to retain a customer. That's why when you really, the reality is there, that you're going to close your account, 
cancel your service, do whatever, they're going to try to keep you. And it's unlikely that you tell them they better stop putting money in fossil fuels that they're going to listen right away. But the more people that say, I have discovered where this bank is financing different activities, it doesn't align with my values. So I'm switching to a bank that does. And maybe more and more when these um, people who work in operations report to their managers and it moves up the chain, the message will be there. And a lot of these organizations that we talked about are also rallying these banks that, hey, you need a change or we're going to put you on blast. And so they're trying to work with them proactively. But if they don't, they're basically going to say, hey, this bank is consciously choosing to continue their operations in these questionable areas. And so we're not going to recommend them. Here are some alternatives. And that's going to be more bad press for them. And ultimately, it's going to cost them money. So hopefully, if it hits them in the pocketbook, they're going to start to change. Gary, every time I talk to you, I just have the best time. You've now been on twice. I've had one guest on three times, but nobody on four times. So I'm hoping that with your with your buy-in, you'll come on the show four times. So fingers I'm crossed for, for that. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's do a once a quarter or something like that. And I will come back. We'll come on a different topic and we'll make it engaging. Oh, thank you so much, Gary. I wish you a wonderful summer. And thank you, as always, for offering up your immense insight and wisdom. Thank you. Likewise, Stephanie. It was a joy. Thanks. Listeners, that's a wrap. I've linked to everything you need to know in this week's show notes. All of the incredible resources that Gary offered up are in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 278. Now, I want to hear from you. If you are at a green banking alternative, if you're happy, if you're upset, if you're thinking about moving your money, where are you moving it to? Let me know all of those details either in our closed Facebook group, just search Facebook for Sustainable Minimalist, or send me an email. I will see you on Thursday where we are discussing sodium lauryl sulfate and sodium laureth sulfate. If you don't know what any of that is, you're going to want to tune in. I will see you then and take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.